Section 83 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 11, Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico, and the West Indies, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 83. The Escape of the American Minister from Paraguay, 1868, by Charles A. Washburn. Though I repeatedly reminded Caminos that we were ready to depart, that, our baggage having gone aboard, we were very uncomfortable in the house, and that I had no further business to detain me, yet I received no notice that the Paraguayan steamer was prepared to take me on board. I now observed that the guards about my house were very much strengthened, and as the darkness shut down on the evening of the 8th, I saw that soldiers were posted around the house at a distance of about two rods from each other. The object of this I could not understand at the time, but regarded it as an indication that something of a very disagreeable nature would soon occur. But a letter which I received from Commander Kirkland the next day, September the 8th, explained why this extra precaution had been taken. The letter was dated near Lambarie, a point less than two leagues from the capital, and it appeared as though Lopez was afraid that an attempt would be made to rescue us all by force. However, the wasp... Footnote. The American vessel which had been sent under Commander Kirkland to bring home Mr. Washburn, end of footnote, did not come any higher up, and remained only a few hours at that place, when she returned and anchored opposite Villetta. She had only moved higher up in order to be out of the way of the shots from the Brazilian vessels that were bombarding the Paraguayan fortifications at Villetta. Supposing that the wasp was still at Lambari, my poor wife, who by this time was getting more alarmed than ever, urged that we should start on horseback and leave everything behind us. But she little knew the difficulties which we should have to encounter. I knew that if Lopez was determined to detain us, we should not escape in any such way, and that if he did allow us to leave, he would furnish us with such facilities that he could parade his magnanimity as a signal proof of his respect for the laws of nations and his consideration especially for the United States. One excuse after another was made for delaying permission for Mr. Washburn's departure. One was that it rained, and so it was not convenient to have his baggage carried to the vessel. After all possible excuses had been exhausted, he was at last notified that he might leave. At eleven o'clock we started from the house, and as we left, our poor Paraguayan servants seemed abandoned to despair. I would gladly have taken them all, and so I told Basilio, but he said it would be worse than useless for me to try to take him away, as he would not be allowed to go, and I had better not claim him as belonging to my legation. He begged me, if I ever returned to Paraguay, to inquire for him and of his fate. He feared that he would be sent to this Antonio Jara, and subjected to the most cruel treatment. I told him he would doubtless be taken as a soldier, but I hoped nothing worse than that would come upon him. 
He said that was nothing, he was willing to go as soldier, but that it was the flogging and the torture that he dreaded. What became of him I have never learned. That day, very early in the morning, the house had been surrounded by a large force of police and soldiers. Directly in front were standing all the time as many as twenty persons, two or three mounted, and at each corner there were eight or ten more. I again told Bliss and Masterman that they had my free permission to say anything about me that could save them from torture or prolong their lives. I said to them substantially these words, We have all seen how Carreras, Rodriguez, Berges, Benigno, and the others who have been taken, have made declarations against us all that are entirely false, that have no foundation whatever. We know that the declarations which have been given in the letters of Benitez, as coming from them, were never made by them, or that, if they were made, they must have been previously subjected to the most terrible tortures. That there is not a particle of truth in them we all know. You will be taken very likely, and tortured until you will corroborate what they have said. Now you have my permission to say anything against me. You will not hesitate to save yourselves by admitting everything true or false, which you may find Lopez is determined you shall admit. You may accuse me, if you can save your lives by it, of any crime you can imagine. You may charge me with sorcery, or stealing sheep, or anything else. Nobody will believe it in Paraguay, and certainly nobody will believe it outside of Paraguay. It can do me no harm, and if your declarations should ever be published, they will prove to the world what an infamous wretch Lopez is, for everybody will know that any declarations of that kind must have been extorted by torture, or the fear of torture. Bliss and Masterman were convinced that they would be arrested as soon as they stepped beyond the precinct of the legation. We conversed as to the order in which we should leave. At one time it was suggested that they should remain in the house, and claim that they were still in the legation if Lopez's soldiers should enter to take them. This, however, was thought to be not the most prudent course to take, but that they should accompany me as far as they were permitted to, and never leave me unless taken by force. The French and Italian consuls had come to accompany me from the house to the steamer, and Bliss and Masterman bade us all goodbye. They had indeed little hope that they would ever meet any of us again. Possibly, if I got away, something would come to their relief, ere they had been put out of the world. The two men were correct in their forebodings, for they had no sooner left the house than they were seized by the officers of Lopez. They were gone, taken from me by force, and within three feet of my own house. Could I yet save them? There was but one way. A Quixotic attempt to rescue them, by my single arm, might involve me in their destruction, but could not help them. They had begged me to do nothing to still further enrage Lopez, until I was beyond his power. I therefore moved on towards the river in company with the consuls and with my family, that were anxiously waiting for me on the bank, went on board the steamer. The consuls then left us and returned to town. At this time they were in great anxiety in regard to themselves. The Frenchman was particularly anxious, as he told me before we left the house, 
that his counselor had been already accused and would be very likely arrested, and that as for himself it was very probable he would have fetters upon his ankles before night. We were now aboard the steamer, and I impatiently awaited the moment when she should cast off, but every moment seemed an hour. I still had great apprehensions that I should be detained, and I believed that Masterman's baggage would be the pretext of doing so. In the meanwhile, a number of peons came from the arsenal to the boat, bringing on board some heavy boxes containing the money of the Englishman, which had been withdrawn some days before from my legation. With them came Mr. Hunter, an Englishman, and the head man of the arsenal. I had not seen him to speak with him since some weeks before, when I had met him in the street, and he had told me that he was afraid to speak to me. On this occasion he came on board, and the only sentence he said to me in English was to request me to talk to him in Spanish. I had hoped to learn from him something of the fate of his countrymen, who had been at my house, and had left it some two months before, but I saw the danger he was in, and that it would not do for him to say anything to me, which the spies of Lopez could not understand and report. Therefore I only talked with him in Spanish, and of the most commonplace matters, but could learn nothing of the condition of others for whose welfare I felt the keenest anxiety. But when this money had come on board it was clear that we should finally get off, and yet never was order so welcome to my ears as that which was given to the engineer of the boat about an hour after to get under way. It was about two o'clock when we started, and I was expecting to find the wasp lying near Lambarie, and I watched, as the boat rounded the point, with straining eyes, to catch a glimpse of the star-spangled banner. But we passed Lambarie and went on and on, and no sight of the wasp, and then again I began to suspect that there was treachery, and that we were all to be taken to headquarters, to be subjected to I knew no what. In about two hours or a little more after leaving Asuncion, we came in sight of Villetta, and there lay the wasp in front, with her flag flaunting in the breeze. I now realized that our dangers were past, and yet it was not till we had come to anchor, and I saw my wife and child into the gig of the wasp, and took my seat beside them, that I could believe that Lopez had consented to forego the pleasure of seeing me brought before his solemn tribunal. End of section 83. This recording is in the public domain.